ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's your boys lockdown here for episode 13 question mark. Yes, 13. Yeah. Um, it's a big weekend. Not only do we have the championship games for the NFL tomorrow, the conference title games, but tonight we've got UFC Fight Night, the first fight card on ESPN and their new big contract. And we're going to talk about them. Let's do it. <laughs> Me and Zach here. Oh, yeah. Chris, Chris is not here. He's in SeaWorld, you know, spending time with the family. Good for him. That's where so, he's at. Yeah. He's, I, I texted him yesterday. He's in SeaWorld. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's he's SeaWorlding it up with Shamu version 8. But we won't get into Blackfish today. Um, so we've got a decent amount to talk about today. Um, before we get into the fight card and our picks, we have some breaking news. Some news. Dallas Cowboys breaking news. Some Dallas Cowboys breaking news. You know what? I'm actually really excited. I'm, look, I miss Chris. I wish he was here. I'm not yeah. going to say I don't wish he was here, but I'm really happy he's not here this <laughs> week because we're going to rant so hard about this. Let's Offensive do it. coordinator Scott Linehan of the Dallas Cowboys has been fired. He was by far the most glaring issue on Dallas, Dallas's offense. Matt, what are your thoughts on this? All right. So this was like the smartest thing Jerry Jones could have possibly done. They have they have pretty much all the talent they need. I would love for them to pick up some more talent on the, talent on the tight end since the things, because they just have a bunch of like tall white guys who aren't very fast there. Um, but Scott Linehan and his predictive, his predictive play calling and his unimaginative scheming was the problem with the Cowboys offense. They would run the same plays over and over and over again. The past plays had no, they had no rhythm. They had no, thought process as to why they were running the pass or the routes. They would just call plays because he liked the play. Um, and there needs to kind of be, there needs to be a theory behind why you're running what you're running because the offense runs kind of like a, kind of like a play. And then you run play after play and it kind of all fits together. It's kind of how Sean McVay runs it. It's how all, all the best offenses run. Yeah. And Dallas Cowboys were always like, whenever they got a first down, it was just like, Man, I can't believe they got that first down. It's like, that's not really how you should be running an offense. Um, I love it. I love it so much. I hope they get somebody young. Hope they get somebody kind of like Matt LaFleur in a position that he like should have been in instead of being a head coach. Um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it too. And, you know, this is an offense that uh, they never ranked higher than 16th in passing offense in the NFL, which – uh, their best, actually, their best year was 2014 under Tony Romo. But every year they failed to pass uh, minus 2016. They failed to pass 350 yards a game. Always ranked under 16th. Um, and even you know years where they had Dez, they had Jason Witten. They Dak. He it, it, actually, I'm really excited for Dak Prescott now to see one who they're going to hire for the OC and two how he's going to. Hopefully, he's smart. And learns how to work with Dak Prescott. <laughs> that you can't just keep up with this uh, very predictable play calling. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited for Dallas. I, I can't wait to see where where they go with 
you know, the, the future for their offensive schemes. This is why the Cardinals made a mistake bringing in Cliff Kingsbury. This is the type of position that he should be in. He should broke. He should have came into the NFL as an offensive coordinator. If the Cowboys had been able to grab Cliff Kingsbury, this offense, dude, like I wouldn't even, I would be freaking out right now if he was available. But he's not because he's with the Cardinals. And even if there's been rumors they might, they might ditch Josh Rosen and go with Kyler Murray. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen there in Arizona. It's nuts. But it probably won't be very good. I don't have a lot of faith in Cliff Kingsbury. I missed the head coaching talk last week, unfortunately. But I won't get too into it. But Cliff Kingsbury, I hate to hire. And mm-hmm. I don't think he's ready. I think offensively, I think he could be a great coordinator. But I don't think he's there in terms of being a head coach. So we've got a little bit of time today. I want to dive kind of quickly into that, actually, because we did miss you last week. So uh, with uh, Kingsbury getting hired, he spent how many he his I remember reading his record at Texas Tech, 35 and 40. Yep. He got hired by USC, but never like he didn't get to play any games there because he got this new job at uh, Arizona in the NFL. Yeah. What do you think that this is just the new coming attraction of guys similar to Sean McVay, that they're young, they're, they're spicing it up on, on offensively and defensively. Do you think this is all that is, or is there a real reason that Kingsbury got hired for uh, the job in the pros? I think that's all it is, man. I think there's an infatuation with like the Pac-10 offense, and a lot of the guys that want to spread it out, they want to score like 50-plus points a game. You know, there's this big infatuation with these younger guys who want to do this. And that's fine, I guess. The the thing is, I don't know if it's going to work. Like, Sean McVay has worked for the most part. Like, he's really really done a great job in figurating that Rams offense and making Jared Goff look like a star. But we don't know if any of these other guys are going to pay off. You know, it could be a situation where... uh, Sean McVay is just a fantastic coach and it worked for him. But all the other guys it's not going to work for because they're not going to have the respect of all the guys, like the veterans in the locker room. So I don't know. I mean, I hope it works out for the teams that hired the young offensive coordinators, but I don't know. Personally, personally, I feel like Sean McVay is very slowly ruining head coaching for everybody because everybody expects, Oh, you're under, you're under 40. And you've got a little bit of stubble on the face and you, you do this, you do this, this to match up with Sean McVay. And now everybody's hiring anybody who comes even similar. Look, it's funny how like most of these guys look very similar to Sean McVay. Yeah. And, and even if, if you, that, and if you have stood within 30 feet of Sean McVay on the same team, there's a good chance you're going to get hired for a head coaching <laughs> job. So it's he's just he's ruining it for everybody, and it's so funny because like he's the exception, and nobody wants to accept it that he yeah. is a once in a lifetime, maybe not once in a lifetime, but once in a generation head coach that you're not. We're not going to see this very often, but who knows? I might be wrong. We might be wrong, but I don't think we're wrong. So I mean, look, I'm just, I just, I'm just a fan of guys coming up through the system. Yeah, like if you're a young guy and you and you have knowledge about offense, but you don't really know about how to deal with veterans on the football team, you don't really know anything. You don't know a lick of defense. You know, I, I think it's I'm a big proponent of like becoming an offensive coordinator or becoming a quarterbacks coach, and then living in that system for a couple of years, growing with the team and finding out like how to be a head coach from the head coach. 
Yeah. I don't I don't like this idea of having no knowledge of it whatsoever and then just being like, I'm a head coach now. Freddie Kitchens do it. And it's like <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing. Like Freddie Kitchens on the Browns has no idea what You think he'll be a bust? Ah uh, yeah, he's got no idea what this dude's wow, doing. Wow, okay. He was <laughs> he was a quarterback's coach for like four months, an offensive coordinator for like three months, and then got promoted to head coach because everybody else got fired. And Ooh. it's like this dude doesn't know he doesn't know what he's doing. You like, heard it here first, guys. Freddie Kitchen a bust for maybe, Cleveland. Look, maybe maybe he'll bring in a lot of talent around him. Like a talented offensive coordinator and a talented defensive coordinator. That's what he has to do. But then you often that's what uh Hugh Jackson did, and then he had a problem with Greg Haley because Greg Haley thought he should have been the head coach because Hugh Jackson was a spineless uh guy. Uh. <laughs> So, I don't know, man. It's hard. He's got to make some great hires. I just yeah. don't. I, I don't like it. All right, I I like that. I like that take right there. Nice. Um, any more? Do you have any other head coaching thoughts from the last couple of weeks? Uh, I think Vic Fangio was a great hire for the Broncos. Um, I think Adam Gase is on shrooms or something. Did you see that press conference? <laughs> yes. <That's> beautiful. <laughs> What? <laughs> what is he's this perfect. Doing? He's perfect for the Jets. <laughs> that and he's he just totally ruined his entire tenure in New York because the new media over there is gonna destroy him. <laughs> I wonder if like he like realized like he said he didn't realize really he was a head coach of the Jets, and then he sat down and he was like, "Oh no." <laughs> Great, because now I've got a meme for, like, the rest of 2019, though. That's awesome. <laughs> this is great. Um, yeah, we're going to come back to the NFL in a little bit. Again, two huge games tomorrow. Very good games tomorrow. Uh, really quick, we, we've never talked about the UFC on the show before. Uh, we might make it a regular thing every once in a while. But, as we said before, tonight, the first UFC card on ESPN, 143, Fight Night 143, I think you said? Yeah. Uh, Dillashaw versus, how do you pronounce his last name? Cejudo. Cejudo. Matt, what are your thoughts on, just some little quick takes on the uh, the card tonight. Main event is going to be super fun. Uh, both these guys, they like to wrestle, but they wrestle in a way that's really entertaining to watch. They're really active. They're shooting and they like shoot, they like change angles and they shoot for takedowns. And they're a lot, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, this main event is going to be awesome. Uh, unfortunately, the co-main event, has a woman beater in it. Hey, uh, Greg Hardy versus Alan Crowder, which I'm pretty sure Alan Crowder is like some bum they got so that like, Greg Hardy can run over him. I've never seen him fight. He's nine and three, which isn't bad, but I, I, I don't know. I'm a little worried. Greg Hardy's just going to wreck him. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think the and Paige Van Zandt's coming back. Hey. I'm excited about that. That's going to be cool. Uh, I missed her. She's been out for a while. She's been out for a long time. I hope she wins. And then, yeah, I think it'll be a pretty entertaining card. Not too many big names on it, but, yeah, solid fighters. Yeah, it'll be good. I'm excited. I'm really excited for the card tonight. And I've always liked Dillashaw as a fighter, even though he's a, as you said in our group chat yesterday, he's a wannabe McGregor. Or somebody said that yesterday in our group chat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a a wannabe McGregor, which is true. But I I watched the uh, ESPN produced like a pre-fight, you know, like, documentary on, like, 30-minute documentary on their 
like lead up into the fight, and it's it's re- it's really funny because it's he like he's been kind of he's been a douchebag for the pregame stuff, but then like it goes over to like him and his wife and his kid, and it's like oh man, he's a good guy. He just likes to talk, so like yeah. I I can respect him for that. And so he's he's you know I mean he he his big talk is he beat uh demetrius johnson for like his that was his like big win was his last win i believe and so and dillashaw's also beat johnson so it's it's uh that i think that's a that's kind of a cool you know story coming into this fight especially for cejudo but uh yeah i'm excited i i still think dillashaw will win it i love dillashaw as a fighter but yeah it's gonna be a fun card tonight i can't wait oh yeah all right let's get to the meat the meat of tlp Let's do it. Let's start off, Sam, uh, Sam's. Wow, Rams versus Saints, three o'clock tomorrow. Fax. What are your thoughts on the game tomorrow, man? Oh, by the way, Chris did send in his picks. We're gonna read them after me and Matt make some picks. He's got some spicy takes, probably. Actually, I haven't read them yet, but he's got some spicy takes. Um, so we're all gonna be, or me and you, get the, the listeners are gonna be surprised because, like I said, I'm a terrible co-host. But uh, Matt. <laughs> What are your thoughts on Rams versus Saints tomorrow? Well, um, honestly, everyone's expecting these games to be, like, super high scoring. Mm-hmm. And they, the scores may end up being kind of high because the overall team's firepowers are going to be, like, the overall firepower of the teams, that's impressive. But I don't know. I think these games are going to be dominated at least by defense for some stretch of the game. Mm-hmm. The Rams, uh, The Rams run defense. And just defense overall really, really impressed me during that Cowboys game. Um, and I knew they had the talent, right? You know, you look at Aaron Donald, you look at Dominican Sue, you look at Dante, Dante Fowler. They've got the talent on the line to stop the run. It's just, would they actually play their gaps and play their responsibilities? And against the Cowboys, they did. And that off in that defense looked really solid. Now Dak made some plays, Amari Cooper made some plays, but for the most part, our Rams defense held shut. And I think they're going to have a similar performance against the Saints. The Saints love to run the football, which is really a really, really, um, I guess, not talked about part of their offense. Uh, but they love it. With Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, they spread it out with their running backs. They love to keep the run game going. And I don't think they're going to be able – I don't think they're going to have very much success against the Rams. That front mm-hmm. four is just nasty. It's insane, dude. Yeah, it's really good. Um but I think Drew Brees will have, you know, Drew Brees obviously will have a couple touchdowns. I think he'll throw for like 300 yards, three touchdowns. But I'm going to go a little upset here. I'm going to go Rams. Okay. Um, I really like the Rams. I think they were struggling at the end of the year. I think they were just kind of preparing for the playoffs. I, I think I think they were already, they, they were already in. I don't think they were really taking the game seriously anymore. You know, when they needed to play big, they needed to play well. They did last week. I think they're going to come out this week, get off to a quick start. They're going to run the ball with Todd Gurley immediately and with C.J. Anderson. They've got a really nice one-two punch back there. I think their offensive line is going to win the battle at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And it'll be close. I think it'll be, I think it'll be like 30-27 for the Rams. Okay. But I, th- I think the Rams will control the clock. They're going to run the ball a lot, like I said, with Gurley and Anderson. I think Goff will make a couple of throws. Um in the playoffs, he's still kind of like a game manager type guy. I don't think he has a lot of confidence yet. Um, he's going to have to make some throws, but I think he will. And I think the Rams are going to win this one. Nice. Good pick. Um, so, I've read a, a lot of stuff online. Everybody keeps going back to their last matchup in Week 9. 
Yeah. The Saints beat the Rams. Again, regular. It was a shootout, guy. It was a great game. Um, uh, game was tied 35-35 midway through the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, it was it was a great game. It was, it was really tight. However, I don't expect that tight style of game. Last time, it was in New Orleans, too. But I, I don't expect that style of game because the Rams have got some players since then. They got Aqib Talib. They got, um, and my, my mind is blanking on me right now. Who else did they get since then? Uh, oh, uh, Dante Fowler. They've, they've gotten uh, defensive super uh, more. They, they, it's just they're healthier. Actually, come, and yeah. coming into this game, Todd Gurley practiced fully this week. They have zero players on the midweek injury report. Same thing as New England. Nobody's hurt. Nobody has, nobody's questionable. They're good. The Saints, however, they're banged up on the offensive line. Andrews Pete has a hand injury. Ryan Ramchek has a shoulder injury. They're both limited next to center Max Unger. So their they're, offensive line's kind of beat up, and they last week they showed it. They Breeze got a lot of pressure last week. Uh, Sheldon Rankins on defensive tackle, he's out for Achilles this week. Um, oh, so yeah, he got hurt really yeah, bad. Yeah, there's a couple injuries coming for New Orleans this week. Um Sticking with the Rams for a second, I expect actually from both sides, I expect a lot of running. Like like you said, it's not going to be the high sp- high scoring game everyone expects it to be. Um, these are two teams that like to run. Goff likes uh, under McVay. You you can expect Jared Goff to control the game or, or generalize the game. Not a whole lot of over over the head passing. Um, as far as the Rams defense, Dallas showed us earlier this year that if you can lock down Michael Thomas and keep him from going off, there aren't that many real threats in New Orleans. There are. I'm not saying they don't have any big threats, but if you keep Michael Thomas from going off, there's a good chance you can stop the New Orleans passing game. Not only that, but Drew Brees and the long ball have not been friends this year. The, uh, Taysom Hill has been a better long ball thrower than Drew Brees this year. I don't know <laughs> if it's aged. I don't know what's going on, but like, yeah. he, he can't get the long ball this year. Um this this is going to be a tight game. This is going to be, who knows? New Orleans could come in and just blow it out. But I I, and one other note before I make my pick, the Saints' offense has failed to reach thirty points since week thirteen. They're, they've done it once. I mean, they've hit thirty points once since week thirteen. Something about that week, I don't remember who they play, but they've, I just read that online that they've hit a rut since then, and they had it last week. They it, it's so. If the Rams can control the ground with Gurley and C.J. Anderson, who's also been like a huge talking point in the, in the playoffs so far, and their stout front seven, or front five, if Aqib Tlaib can lock down Michael Thomas, the Rams can pull off this upset in the Superdome. Uh, it's, I think, honestly, they control their destiny walking into this. I know, I know the Saints are the number one team, number one seed at least in the NFC. I know they're a high-powered offense and their defense – has gotten better, but I, I honestly just see this team is just a better roster, and they're two great coaches. I can't. I'm not going to discount Sean Payton completely, but it's just the Rams have the better roster here. So, yeah, Sean. I mean, Sean Payton. I think might be the X factor in the game because he outcoached Doug Peterson hard last week. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Eagles. The Eagles win that game if it's like. If the head coaches are on equal ground in terms of how they're coaching, I've, dude, I think the Eagles win that game easily. Yeah. But Sean Payton made a lot of great calls. He made a lot of great, like, clutch, like, all right, we're doing it now. Let's go for it. Plays. 
And they honestly should have won that game by more than three points. They had a lot of holding calls, and some of them were kind of eh, iffy by the referees. Off of some, they had like a really good reverse pass by Taysom Hill that they ran. It was really, really good. Um, that they got called back because a guy pushed a guy in the back. Kind of. Yeah. It wasn't a penalty. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But I'm still going Rams here. Yeah, I, I'm personally, I just for my own biasness, I do hope the Rams win because I love this offense that they have and the defense too, minus Ndamukong Sue, who can kiss my ass. But but he can, I I love this Rams team. So um, oh my god, Curdy Kruger came in and said two high powered offenses battling it out in the Superdome. I like his writing. We all know this is going to be an offensive slugfest, explanation point. Their first matchup was a 45-35 win by the Saints, and I don't see this game being any different. I, I love how his opinion is just so different from ours. <laughs> I, do, I do think both teams will struggle running the ball. That's true. But Goff and Breeze will both have field days. <laughs> the Rams' uh, defense limited Ezekiel Elliott to 47 yards rushing last week, and the Saints have been very good against the run all year, allowing 80.2 yards per game, second in the NFL. I think the Superdome factor gives the Saints the edge in this one. Saints win 38-31. Nice pick, Chris. Nice pick. Well, that's fair. Yeah. I Again, like it's both of these games walking into it. I mean, the Patriots Chiefs game I had a harder time, you know, figuring out, but both of these games really? like yeah, I, I don't. I have some struggles walking into that game, but this one, this one for me is the harder one. I, I knew exactly when I saw where that game was being played. But we're about to talk about it. But when I saw where that game is being played, I was like, oh, I have my answer. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, any four matchups that you could pick for the Super Bowl makes sense. You know, it's just like we said in the beginning of the playoffs. Like, yeah, like Colts Eagles been like, yeah, I can see that happening. You know, like I can see any of these matchups happening. So it's I don't I don't quite know about that one, but. Well, you know what I mean. Before, at, at the time, it looked nice. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else? Uh, no, that's it. All right. Pat's Chiefs. What you? What are you thinking about the battle in Arrowhead? So, uh, I got some numbers to throw out at you. Um, so, New England has not won a road playoff game since 2007. Also... The Patriots are three and five this year away from Gillette Stadium, losing to teams, losing to such high powered teams like, ooh, let's see, the Miami Dolphins. Oof. Uh, and I don't know, that's pretty much all I had. I was hoping there'd be a list, but I can't find it. Um, but they, they, they have not played well on the road at all. And so, honestly, I, after seeing Patrick Mahomes play last week, I was a little worried. I was a little reserved going in. I was like, we don't know how he's going to play yet. Let's back off on all the, you know, best quarterback of all time talk. Let's see, let's see how he plays. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, the Chiefs are going to win this game. <laughs> 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 no, absolutely. Uh, he proved it last week. The Colts defense was playing out of their minds. He came in and the Chiefs, just as a team, pretty much rolled over that defense. They had my one, my one, Callback is that Andy Reid's the head coach, but I'll say some other things and then I'll get into that. Um, the Chiefs' offense is just impressive. Uh, even without even without Kareem Hunt there, they're still able to generate some sort of run game, enough of a run game, to where Patrick Mahomes is able to beat you through the air. And then, man, that defense is playing well. D. Ford was able to really 
shake it up last week. I think he got a sack, and then he was constantly in there providing pressure on Andrew Luck all game. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they got some pass rushers. They don't have the best back seven, the best back four specifically, in the corners and the safeties. But, I mean, if Eric if, – if, I don't know. Um, I don't they, It's okay. And they've been, they've been playing a little better than they had during the regular season. So I think they can make some plays. They're athletic. They're fast. They're not, nothing, nobody really to talk about. But, yeah, they're young guys. I think they can make a couple plays. But yeah. mainly, this is the main point of the game, honestly. This will decide whether or not they win or lose. Because the game's going to be close in some situations. And Andy Reid has always, always made mistakes whether it's calling timeouts in the wrong situations so that you don't have them later in the game, whether it's challenging plays that just have no business being challenged so you lose a timeout, whether it's just using trick plays in the dumbest situation, like a fourth and 13, and you're on a fake punt, and it's like, what are you doing? Like, just so many dumb things Andy Reid's done in his 10 years as a head coach. Mm-hmm. And against the Patriots, you can't do those things and still win. Yeah. So he's going to have to coach, like, the best game of his life. Which, what I mean by that is, don't do anything stupid, Andy mm-hmm. Reid. Don't take away from Patrick Mahomes. Don't take away from the talent that's on the field. This game in Arrowhead Stadium, with essentially that 12th man, kind of similar to what, like, Seattle has. <clears throat> man, I'm going Chiefs. Um, nice. I really like Patrick Mahomes. And I know Tom Brady, he's like, everyone betting against us, everybody thinks we suck. Julian Edelman sound like he's Julian Edelman sound like bet against us t-shirts. I think it's funny. Uh, <laughs> whatever, <coughs> whatever, whatever you need to do, whatever you need to do. But I don't know. I think normal. Like I think Tom and Julian know like a team that's as talented as they're used to wouldn't need to do something like this. Yeah, you just need to go out and play football. So I think them at least acknowledging. Like, Tom Brady trying to use this as, like, a tactic to, like, ramp up his team and Julian Edelman doing the same, I think is is an example that they know this team isn't very talented. Yeah. They know that they don't have the talent to beat um, the Chiefs, but that they just kind of have to have the willpower. They got to make plays in the right situations, and they got to pretty much hope the Chiefs make some mistakes. And I think the Chiefs will play a great game. Final thoughts. I, th- I, yeah. think, the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs are going to settle down quickly. Uh, they're at home. They're gonna play a fantastic game. They might make a mistake or two, but I don't think it'll matter too much. And I think they'll be up by like two scores. The Patriots may make it close at the end, but I think it's gonna be similar to the Colts scoring. I think that's it was like thirty-one to fourteen. I think it'll be like, I think it'll be like twenty-eight, twenty, like twenty-eight, twenty-one. Nice. Not as high scoring as people think it's gonna be, which I agree with. Um. I want to call out a group of people running off that note you just said because Tom Brady made a point. Everybody thinks we suck. The consensus around America is nobody thinks the Patriots. Nobody suck. thinks. Like, no, suck, you know man. who does though? The Boston market. Everybody in Massachusetts, all of NBC Sports Boston, everybody thinks the Patriots suck because they're not like the twenty or two thousand and eight or two thousand and like. But, shut up, man! Like I hate Boston radio, and it's this is coming from like a diehard Boston fan, and like I can't listen to them. Like they're only a select amount of Boston biased podcasts I can listen to. And, and I'm sorry, but NBC sports Boston is not one of them. Sorry. But, um, 
it's whatever flag me for i don't care it drives me nuts dude um like that and that's probably where brady's hearing it all like him and giselle are just watching all these boston market oh these pats are gonna get taken out it's like that's your team guys come on man whatever um i'm mad about it um anyway back to unbiased journalist talk um that's what you call this no but uh (laughs) Listen, I'm going to talk about the Pats first uh, because I'm nervous for them. <sighs> Look, a lot, of, a lot of people, historically, the way that you beat Tom Brady is you apply pressure to him in the offensive line and get him out of the pocket. Historically, that's just how it happens. Recently, because Bill Belichick is smart and he's one of, probably one of the greatest coaches of all time, arguably, but he's definitely going to go down as that. Um, it, it doesn't matter because how quickly they've been getting the ball off. A lot of dump-offs, a lot of drag routes, a lot of very easy stuff to just get it off fast, right? I think that'll work early on in the game, but I don't know if it's going to last because I don't know. This is just this is a, a younger defense in Kansas City that has proved time in and time again that they can adjust throughout the game, and they can – keep the game close because of Patrick Mahone, because of the offense. They can do – they might not be the best defense. In fact, the people have said that Kansas City's defense is has the advantage over New England. I don't agree with that at all. That's a load of crap. But, yeah. but they can do enough to keep it close, and they did it last game against New England too, which, again, people are also talking about that, and it was in week six. It was like a whole different season then. I don't want to talk about week six. Like, yeah. So, so many things have changed since then. Yeah. Um, Anyway, that's not going to matter for New England for as far as the dump offs, as far as the, the drag routes, as far as keeping it short. Like Sony Michelle is going to get a lot of uh, same thing as like I said last game. Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, these guys are going to get a lot of play time this yeah. week. A lot. They're going to run the ball all over Kansas City. I think it's going to work for a while too. Same thing with Kansas City. Everyone expects this high scoring. 500 passing yards, 1,000 passing yard total game from both quarterbacks. I see Brady and Mahomes individually hitting maybe 250, 300 yards. Maybe. Yeah. A lot of it's going to – maybe like four or five touchdowns, but probably all in the red zone. You know? Yeah. They're going to run all over each other. That's just where the advantage lies. So here's my issue with New England. Against man coverage, Patrick Mahomes is averaging 9.5 yards per attempt. 10.3 touchdown percentage, which is a ratio of touchdowns and pass attempts, and a 121.3 passer rating. He leads the league in all these figures against man coverage. Yeah, that's pretty good. Patriots run man coverage on over 50% of their defensive snaps. They've done it all season. It's, this, this hasn't just been recently. I watched a little bit of the film. They constantly run man coverage, and it works most of the time. Last week, they were running cover zero. Like It's, it's, how, it's, it's worked all season for them. However... Patrick Mahomes has this thing. He has this ability. If you get him outside of the pocket, he finds a way back into the pocket. And he extends plays. I don't know how he does it. Nobody knows how he does it. Because this is very similar to to Sean McVay. This is a a once-in-a-generation quarterback we're watching in his second year in the pros. This is a guy that takes advantage of a play that's potentially dead, and he turns something into it to make it live it's crazy the chiefs are a much better team at home especially defensively than they are on the road on the road they're allowing 34.6 a game points a game and 10 takeaways at home 
17.4 points allowed and 18 takeaways. They're eight and one at home with their only loss being a one point loss. And their average margin of victory is 14 or almost 15 points this year. So I get why new England is the underdog with Brady this year. Like I understand because Kansas city has the advantage. They have the better roster. Most of the teams that new England has played this year has have a bet has had a better roster than new England. It's just been a weird year for them. Yeah. This entire week, my thought process before I really dove into the research has been Brady and Tom and Bill are going to pull it out. Somehow they're going to pull it out of their ass and they're going to figure out how to win this game. I don't see that happening this tomorrow. I don't know why, but there's just something. There's just something very poetic about this game with Patrick Mahomes with a- Andy Reed has always struggled. Like you said, has always struggled in this spotlight. He's always struggled, especially against Bill Belichick. He's never had a big shot, uh, uh, the, the perfect shot to get that win. I think, especially if Eric Berry is playing tomorrow to help out in the secondary, I think he's, he's questionable right now. But if he comes in yeah. and, and is able to make a, his presence known early on, this is going to be the Chiefs game to lose. I think that if, however, the one thing that scares me, Patrick Mahomes, just like he has all season, might need to put on another perfect performance. Of because if he struggles, that's you can almost feel Tom Brady smiling on the sidelines. Like this is it. This is where we're gonna pull away. Because again, Kansas City defense—they're only as good as Mahomes is. You know, they can only go as far as Mahomes will let them go. You know what I don't understand about the Patriots' offense? Why do teams not just run cover or? Like man, like like get on them. Run press the run press man coverage, dude. What are you doing? Every single play is like hike, throw the ball, and the corner's like, oh, well, I didn't know I was 15 yards off the receiver. It's like what? What you didn't know? They've been doing it all year. Watch the film, Chargers, idiot. <laughs> the Chargers drove me crazy. Gus last Bradley week. after after everybody was praising Gus Bradley the week before, everybody was like, this man deserves another head coaching opportunity. He proved exactly why he does not prove another head co- deserve another head coaching opportunity against yeah. the Patriots. Trying all these old, outdated schemes and zones that had no business being run. No way they were ever going to work against Tom Brady. He's seen him a thousand times in, on film. Like, what are you doing? Like, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. I, <laughs> yeah, it, you would think. It's just, yeah, like you're saying, run man press, run not, I, mean, I don't know, not zone defense, because it's that's the most obvious way to stop his offense is that they hike crazy. the ball and immediately throw the ball. So get up in their face so that Tom can't do that. Again, historically, that's how you beat them. <laughs> that's how teams have always beaten Brady and Belichick. It, so, yeah, like if, if we were looking at logistically, that's how you're going to do it. But I don't know. Who knows? I don't know what their defensive scheme going into this game is. But this is why people say the NFL is rigged. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's idiotic. It's idiotic. And it's stupid. You have people getting paid millions of dollars to generate a defensive scheme, and we sit there and we're just like, "Did you not watch film? Like, hello? <laughs> like, I like we could talk about this before the game even happens." I was actually making a segment for the show. I came down sick, so I wasn't able to get it done. Um, but I was making a che- I was making a segment for the Chargers Patriots game, and, I, and in it I had clips of the Patriots in the regular season and all of their short passes. 
And I was like, this is how the Patriots win. This is how they beat you. If the Chargers get up in your face, even if they run zone coverage, but if they just get up in the receiver's face and just jam them off the line, and you, and you hit them, and you get up in their grill, and you punch them in the chest, and you interrupt their routes, it'll give Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram another second or two to get to Tom Brady because he has to hold the football. And that's exactly what they didn't do. And they just played off the receivers, and then Brady just went to town the entire game. So I don't know. It's yeah, it's dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really dumb. It's real dumb. So, it's, yeah. And personally, I think it would be like a Chiefs-Rams Super Bowl. That's a oh, rematch of – so I don't even – that was the best game of the season this year. Their game that was supposed to be Mexico City, and then it oh, wasn't. Yeah. But it – what because, a game. It's because of the wall, man. Let's be honest. What's that? Because of the wall. Let's uh, go yeah. ahead and be honest. Let's get political. That's why I was in Mexico. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> They don't, want any, they don't want any stinking Americans in Mexico right now. <laughs> That's they damage the field on purpose. <laughs> you know, we, don't even have, we don't even have a government right now. You think Mexico wants us over there? <laughs> Garbage. Getting political on TLC. I like it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so... Uh, oh, let me read Chris's picks, too. Um, all right, Critty. Another offensive slugfest in the making here. It's a new it's a new school versus old school with Mahomes or sorry, it's new school versus old school with Mahomes and Brady. Their first matchup was a Patriots 43-40 win in New England, but that was all the way back in week 6. Thank you. Both teams have weak defenses, but we all know Belichick and the Pats always show up in the playoffs. Mahomes had a great playoff debut last week and that Arrowhead crowd is going to be rocking. I think the game is going to come down to who can run the ball better. Both quarterbacks will have great games. I see this game being tight the whole way, but I've got Mahomes taking the Chiefs down the field on a two-minute drill and sending the Chiefs to the Super Bowl on a game-winning touchdown. We are saving that take in case it happens. Chiefs win 31-28, setting up a Super Bowl for the ages. The Chiefs and the Saints will battle it out in Atlanta for the title. Nice take, Chris. Um, So me and Matt both have Chiefs-Rams. Chris has Chiefs-Saints. We've got the AFC. We're agreeing on the AFC. Yeah. I mean, again, we're, I think we're agreeing because we've watched the Patriots this year. And even like last week, they just don't look like the same Patriots team we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. And again, like I said, on the road, they're three and five on the road. Kind of like my point with Seattle that Chris kind of kept trying to negate. But I actually ended up mattering against the Cowboys, mm-hmm. which is that certain teams just don't play up to that level. of They don't play up to their standard on the road. Seattle is a team that doesn't they don't do that. Even even when they were an elite football team, when they were on the road, they just weren't the same team. And the Patriots are the same way. When they go on the road, they just are not the same team that they are in Gillette. And I think it's gonna. I think they're gonna show it in Kansas City. Yeah, I agree. Or you know, somehow they're gonna pull it up and they're gonna win, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. That's the 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 semi frustrating part about the Patriots. Like I, even though I do like this team. You know, everybody bets against us, whatever, and they still win. So, like, yeah, I'm picking, I'm still picking the Chiefs, but if I see New England in the page in the Super Bowl again, I wouldn't be surprised. I want to don't think on for one second any of us are saying the Patriots will not, under oh, no circumstances, yeah. win this football game. 
Like that. That's not at all what we're saying. The Patriots yeah. are like realistically, they're probably gonna win because I hate I hate them and they always do. But on paper, they shouldn't. On, on paper, paper, they, they shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but if I was smart and if I was trying to actually make correct picks, I would probably go with the Patriots just because yeah. they always win. Actually, um, this is the perfect gambling matchup because what? the Patriots are the underdog. I know, right? I know, right? It's like, why not put like some money on this game? Because if they, yeah. if they're probably gonna win, so it's like, what? Make some bucks on this one, guys. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Like, what a perfect storm. But you know, uh, now nah, you got anything else? You got anything else to say this week? Uh, I'm gonna jump into the NBA real quick. Oh. I, dude. I, not really the NBA. I want to jump into the draft. The NBA draft really, really quick. I want to say one thing to anybody that's it's made, that's made it this far in the show. Uh, everyone's saying that Zion Williamson is going to be the number one pick. <gasps> and everyone's like, this guy's going to be amazing. And I'm sure he'll be the number one pick. I'm sure he'll be amazing. I got some news for everybody, though. There was a point guard that plays for Murray State. His name is Jean Morant. And he is... Oh, my gosh! That dunk, bro. He is insane. He is, like, one of the most complete players I've seen in college. He's a, he's, he's a fantastic point guard. He's a great passer. He's, he has great ups. He can dunk. He can finish at the rim. He can shoot mid-range. He can shoot the three-point shot. He All around, he plays great defense. Like, he's like John Wall coming out of college with a jump shot. Like, wow. what? That's wow. unfair. Yeah. <laughs> he's really good and I, I'm, I'm i'm honest i'm so up on the hype on this kid i think whoever drafts this kid is going to get the best player in this draft zion is similar to andrew wiggins to me where he has no discernible skills he can jump real high and he's real big and he dunk the ball and block shots because he plays against a bunch of white unathletic guys <laughs> um you know and it's like he has no skills though he can't shoot he doesn't have any post moves like nothing he can't do anything at the end of at the NBA level, I'm sure he can develop a shot, and I'm sure he can develop sure. that and be a great player. Um, but as of right now, he doesn't have a lot of skills developed. And I look at guys like uh, I think there's, there's a shooter at camp. There's a shooter at Duke. His name is Cam Reddish. Mm-hmm. He's really really good as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm calling it right now. TLP episode 13. John Morant will be the best player out of this 2019 draft class. Ooh, hot take. I like it though. He'll be the Luka Doncic guy where people are kind of like counting him out and the season starts and they're like, oh my lord, he's NBA, oh my lord. (laughs) People are just like, okay. Yeah, two. so we've gotten two big hot takes today that Freddie Kitchen's a bust and oh, a a new number one going into the NBA draft next this upcoming year. That's him up. Everybody, look him up. Watch some highlights of this kid. He is crazy. Yeah. I I liked his his highlight reel is insane. Yeah. Yeah. uh, For you NBA fans, we're going to get back into basketball pretty soon, I promise. But, you know, football season. The the basketball season is kind of of picking up. Boogie Cousins is back with the Warriors. Um, I'm excited to see how that goes. I don't know. It'll be fun. The Eastern Conference is fun. Did you see Kyrie? (laughs) Did I see Kyrie? how do you feel about his press conference? I want, I'm really glad you brought that up because I wanted to say about I wanted to say something about Kyrie. There was a report that came out this week that Kyrie called LeBron and apologized for the way that he acted under LeBron's leadership. I have a history 
of ripping LeBron to pieces. It, I'm pretty sure it's public on some form of podcast or journalistic article. I used to hate LeBron. I'm okay with him now, probably because he's sitting on the sidelines and the Lakers suck without him. But the, but I'm okay. Like I really am okay with him right now. When I first saw the report drop, I think Chris Forsberg uh, dropped it. He's a Celtics reporter. He dropped it first, and and I was really happy because I'm like, this is a big, this is a huge moment. This is the first my first thought that came to my mind. This is a huge moment for Kyrie and the Boston team as a whole because weeks ago, Kyrie was complaining that we need more leadership on this team. But then my thought was, Kyrie, why do you think we signed you? You are the leadership. Why, you're, you're becoming everything that you hated in LeBron that when you were under him. Stop whining. And so then he had some you know, off games where Scary Terry started. And now, and now he's, he's taking that mantle, right? And I'm so stoked because the, the way that the Boston offense works, if you let Kyrie be Kyrie and you stay ready for those inbound passes or assists, we're golden. If he drops 30 or 40 a night and you got Jason Tatum, you got Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart was nailing threes last night. Like that's a terrifying thought for the NBA. His development has been really, really nice. Really nice. Like, like he's, he's going to get – He's becoming a legitimate knockdown shooter in the NBA. He's going to get banged wherever he is. Wherever he yeah. lands next year, he's going to get paid. But anyway, so n- then people started saying – that's the window for Kyrie to go to Los Angeles. The win- Max Kellerman that called uh, this situation, Kyrie using LeBron as a probe. My dog, he called LeBron, one, to apologize and be the bigger man, yeah. uh, just as a whole, because he was, let's be honest, Kyrie, him like leaving in those circumstances while he was under, I'm sure, like decent intentions, it was still a dick move, like as a whole. Like he could have worked that out a lot better. Whatever, he's in Boston, I'm not complaining. But, that was a big step for everybody in that situation. And now everyone's going to jump to say that he's going to Los Angeles. Guys, he's calling to become a better leader for the team that they need in Boston. Don't get me started on this nonsense. So I was really happy to see that, hear about the phone call. I'm really happy that Brad Stevens and Kyrie are working better together because they've had a lot of struggles recently as, over the last couple of years, really, as, just working together with chemistry. This is a huge turning point for the Celtics offense and the defense, too, because they've both struggled on both sides of the paint. Um, it's, I'm stoked. I, uh, we've got the schedule picks up pretty soon. We play Golden State, not this Saturday, but next Saturday uh, for the, a primetime game on ABC. That'll be a great game, um, even though we'll freaking Golden State's going to Golden State. But yeah. um, we, beat, we beat Toronto on Wednesday. That was a huge win. Uh, that, and that was like a, a big talking point that that's where Kyrie really stepped up because he last Saturday is when he called LeBron. So he, he's taking the team under his wing, and he's realizing I am the leader that they need, and I Dude, love it. That game was really impressive to me all around for Kyrie. Um, I, first of all, I love watching guys like going through like actual like an actual maturation process. I love it when I yeah. see Kyrie as like a rookie in Cleveland and him trying to work with LeBron, and it's like, oh my god, I hate this guy. Uh, and then now you look at him, and <laughs> he seems like legitimately like regretful of the way that he handled everything yeah. on in Cleveland. And then at the end of the game, I'm going to go ahead and do this because this is something that LeBron does that Kyrie has never done in the past. Mm-hmm. It was the end of the game. It was close. And Kyrie said, Jason, here's the ball. Win us the game. <laughs> that is leadership. 
That is, I believe in you, young man. Go win us this game. That is what a leader does. And then the winner loss, you pick it up, and then you practice, and you do it again. Because you need young guys to, you need those young guys to develop confidence, and you need those young guys to know that they can do it. And the way that you, the way that they know that is that a leader instills that within them. That's mm-hmm. what LeBron has always done, and people have kind of gotten onto him about it because maybe he does it a little bit too much. People think maybe he's like hey, trying not to like take the responsibility for himself. I don't think that's at all. But mm-hmm. I, that's what a leader does. And Kyrie, for the first time in my eyes, was like. I'm going to be bigger, the bigger man. I'm going to try to be a leader, and I'm going to give other guys the opportunity to get confidence and to win us the game. Yeah. And I was like, this is not Kyrie Irving. Like, <laughs> this is not what I'm used to seeing, and I love it. I'm I, telling I you, it was a cathartic moment for me. I lost all <laughs> sensibility. I, I watched that too, and it was, oh, I, I wanted to cry. That was a great moment. It, it's and like it's funny because like people tend like you make it you make a good point like people tend to be are they're surprised by this new Kyrie but if you're a ment what's the word a mentee under a mentor yeah 99.9 percent of the time you're going to start taking on the tendencies of your mentor yeah. and not even just in sports but in life too right he was under LeBron for how many years you know like he LeBron led the entire locker room and especially yeah. with Kyrie they're a buddy buddy you know and I'm I, so like I'm I'm just really excited to see where the team's gonna go it with with Kyrie taking leadership with him feeding the ball off to especially to guys like Jason Tatum who yes it's really early in their career and he's 20 21 years old but dude that guy has so much potential. I don't. I don't think they should trade him for anything. I, I've seen rumors about next, maybe next season. Yeah, no, you can't trade it. This. And I'm like, you don't trade. He's untouchable. Jay, do yeah. not trade Jason Tatum, man. Especially like, for he's been oh. talking with, with Anthony Davis. Talk I'm like, no, we have yeah, a good team. We we got Aaron Baines back. Why are we talking about getting another big man? Marcus Smart plays the big man. Or Marcus Morris plays the big man too. Why are we talking about this? Like Jalen Brown, sure. Put. I mean, I yeah. love Jalen. I don't want to see him go, but. Like, why are we, why are we putting, why, we, people have these conversations like Danny Ainge is an idiot. Like, this is not the guy who traded down to avoid Markel Fultz to get Jason Tatum. We treat him like he's just the moron in this whole situation that let go of Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving. Yeah, he this guy's a, he's a genius. He knows what he's yeah. doing. So don't yeah. speak for my dog, Danny. Don't speak for him because he knows what he's doing. So, he's not going to trade Jason Tatum. No. I he, guess. He, I, I will divorce the Boston Celtics if they trade Jason Tatum. Like I'll, right, no, I'll file the paperwork. I won't. But, <laughs> file but the still, paperwork. I, that would be the most heartbreaking moment of my life by far. Uh and there's been a, some big heartbreaking moments to sports. But also I uh, want to say something about the Lakers before we yeah. before we end off. Um Young Core without LeBron, it looks really bad at times, lost to the Knicks. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, man, Kyle Kuzma is gonna be a star in the NBA. Yeah. He's his ability just to score the basketball is like James Harden level, like James Harden and OKC, where like he there were games when you're just like, this dude deserves his own team. Like he came off the bench and he put up like 40 points, and you're just like, what? What am I watching? <laughs> uh, this is I've this Kyle Kuzma's done it twice since LeBron's been injured, where he's just completely taken over a game. Uh, for the first one was. I think against Memphis. Second one has been against OKC, and they beat OKC. Um, 
and OKC's kind of fallen on some hard times, but yeah. still an impressive one. And yeah, Kyle Kuzma was just like, get out of my way. Give me the ball. I'm scoring. I'm putting up 24 shots. I'm scoring, you know, 40 plus points. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. But I think De'Aaron Fox, it was a better pick than Lonzo Ball. In the draft, they went pretty much back to back. De'Aaron Fox plays for the Kings. Really, really nice prospect. Lonzo Ball, man. At one, one game, he'll look like he's a star. The next game, he'll just like won't shoot the basketball. And he'll just be like, oh, I don't really want to shoot the basketball. And it's like, you know, you don't get to choose to shoot. You're a basketball player. <laughs> if you're you open, the, you shoot the basketball. If you get fed and you're open, shoot it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> God, man. Yeah, so he's kind of annoying me, but I like Kyle Kuzma a lot. I think he's the one. I think if if you're honestly looking for the Lakers to be a contender, I think you're looking at LeBron, Kuzma, and one other piece. I don't think you trade Kuzma to get another piece because in 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 the sense that you trade him to get Anthony Davis, you don't have anybody else. You have like Braun and Davis, and that's it. And you can't win a title with two people. Yeah. So Kuzma's one of those guys you need. He's a great like championship piece, like a great two or three. But I think uh, they can use in the future. But yeah. do you think with with the team that they have right now, put if you put LeBron back in the lineup, do you think this is a team that can make the playoffs and make a decent run? Yes, depending on who they play. Right. If they can jump in on like the sixth or fifth seed, to where they don't have to play the Rockets or the Warriors off the bat, I think they can. Um, actually, I don't even know, man. I think they can beat the Rockets in a series. They've James, been, the Rockets have been struggling recently, though. James, too. James Harden is nuts. He's been putting up like fifty plus points a game. But okay, this is this is my last rant. I'm gonna make this idea of efficiency, and I don't like. I'm not a huge fan of James Harden as mm-hmm. this number one star on a team because he's like this complete volume scorer. And he'll dominate the ball the entire game. He'll take like 30, 35, 40 shots a game. And then he'll take like 30 free throws a game because he gets fouled so much. And he'll put up like 50 points. And it's like, look how good he is. And it's like, yeah, but he shot the ball 36 times and had 27 free throws and only scored 50 points. Like, <laughs> realistically, if you're going to put up that many shots, you should put up like 81. Like, you should have, like, a Kobe-like game. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. Like, that's what you should be doing. So, I don't know. James Harden's great. He's going off every single night. But it's because he's getting 28,000 shot attempts a game. If the Rockets are going to be better, they need to get Austin Rivers more involved. He's been yeah. having a great year, shooting really, really well from three, but he never gets the dang ball. Um, And, yeah, I don't know. But James Harden's playing well. It's just I'm not a huge – like everyone's saying he's like the best scorer of all time. I've seen like clips on ESPN and I'm just like, get out of here. Most guys in the NBA on the NBA level who put up that many shots could score that many points. Like, yeah. eh, it's like most guys like they're in the NBA for a reason. They can hit shots. If you give a guy a chance to hit 35 shots, they're probably going to put up 50 points. Yeah. Get, that's just what's going to happen. So yeah, that's true. It's a good fair <laughs> point. Yeah, I mean, that's my last rant. That's the last thing I had to say for today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're I'm, – I'm, I'm excited just to 
start watching basketball more because I've been so busy with football this <laughs> for the last couple of months that I've not. I've been, I watch Celtics games and, and your occasional Wednesday or Thursday night, you know, basketball game, but. In college ball too. College basketball is getting pretty good. Yeah, the but, Nets are uh, good. The Nets are really like like fun team. They're to watch. they're sneaky. Yeah, the Nets are really sneaky. Fun. Yeah. The Heat are fun. Um, the East has some fun teams. They're not necessarily that great, but yeah, just like last year. It's all it comes down to the wire. Yeah. But, yeah. Hey, if uh, if you wanna, if you're listening to us and you're like, hey. Where, where else can I listen to the Lockdown Podcast? You can find us on uh, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcastbox. Oh, I messed it up. Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. I can't believe but, you did that, Zach. I can't believe, I can't believe you've done this. 13 episodes and I screwed it up. No. Bye, guys. Peace. Oh, I stop recording. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs>